This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, I'm Brandon Perna, host of That's Good Sports, a 10-minute-ish daily NFL comedy podcast. Have you ever wished for a crappy version of The Daily Show, but only about the NFL? Then, first and foremost, I implore you to dream much bigger. Secondly, I would recommend subscribing to That's Good Sports. Every weekday, I will be giving you NFL news, telling questionable jokes, and swearing just enough so you won't ever be able to listen with your kids in the room or car. I don't ask for a lot, but if you don't subscribe on iTunes, my wife said she will leave me. Thanks, and I look forward to putting my voice in your ear holes. football pod this is episode 46 thanks for hanging in with us because we did have a bye week last week but we are refreshed and rejuvenated and I have a special guest on with me I'm of course Kayla Anderson and my buddy uh, Joshua Perry former Buckeye and current analyst on Big Ten Network is joining me today and I'm excited because we're actually going to have you here to break down stuff to talk about stuff more so than just like five minutes (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, usually I'm on here for just a, a short bit of time, but yeah, you know, here we are hanging out full show today. I'm really excited to be able to talk a little college ball with you. Well, let's dive right into it. And the eight AP top 25 poll was released yesterday on Sunday. And here are the top 10 because that's really the discussion I want to have with you is um, Clemson coming in at number one with 55 first place votes. Alabama there at two with six first place votes. Georgia sneaking by Notre Dame this weekend still with a first place vote and then followed by LSU Ohio State at five. Oklahoma comes in at six. Auburn seven. Wisconsin jumping up obviously after beating Michigan to the eight spot. Florida staying at nine, and then Notre Dame rounding out the top 10. Now, I have no problem with, you know, Clemson and Alabama there at the top. Uh, they haven't done anything to discourage me from them being in that spot. Georgia, I'm a, I'm a little bit interested about because of, I don't know if it's Notre Dame, we didn't think that they would be as good as they were, or if Georgia isn't as good as we all assume they are. But then you have LSU, Ohio State there at five, and I feel like Ohio State is still kind of in the middle there, maybe because they haven't played as tough a competition yet. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Josh? Uh, yeah, I mean, you could say that. I, I, it's fine. I think that they should be higher, but you can't knock Georgia. They had a big game 
They won. It wasn't maybe the way people expected them to win, but you can't knock them for winning a game. LSU is kind of the one I have some questions about, though. I think they're, like you said, offensively, they're really, really good. But when you look at their defense, I mean, you know, they've they've given up some mm-hmm. points. Talk about 38 points to Vanderbilt, and you know, not to be this guy because football is not transitive like this, but Purdue didn't let up 38 points to Vanderbilt. So what's the yeah. deal there? And so when you talk about being tested, I understand they played Texas early on the season. I don't think Texas is a very good team. They're sitting up here in the rankings right now at number 11. I don't think they're the 11th best team personally, but it is what it is. You know, the I think the point totals, the way that their defense is playing right now for LSU gives me a little bit of trepidation. It actually reminds me a little bit of what Ohio State looked like last year defensively compared good to point. the offensive production they had. But, you know, I guess it's a little bit of motivation for Ohio State players and fans to go out there and win games and do it convincingly. Because they've looked really good if you've flipped on the games, and I've obviously watched all of them, but the way that they've looked against the competition they've been playing, they've they've done a great job. Uh, so it's just going to be about getting deeper into the Big Ten, winning some big games there, but also when you're playing uh, Northwestern, who you're supposed to beat pretty handily, uh, you know, Indiana like they already did. When you get those teams, it's about, you know, being the dominant team and putting on a show so the playoff committee receives the message you're trying to send. I get a lot of people talking about Florida down here because I'm in SEC country here in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Florida, you know, obviously took care of Tennessee, but Tennessee is just, we all know, just Trash. awful this season. I mean, are you okay with Florida at number nine? They are 4-0, and oh, but I don't know if I've, I'm fully convinced on Florida yet even being the top 10. Yeah, so like what are Florida's big wins? Miami? And I don't think Miami's a very good team. Yeah, no. <laughs> they played Tennessee like Tennessee's not good at all. No. I'm not convinced, but again, I think so. For me, I think preseason rankings are a huge flaw in college football. And mm-hmm. I wish that we would wait at least four weeks into the season before we started putting a number ranking by a team, because then you get into a situation where uh, Florida comes out, they're ranked early on as a top 10 team. And it, I mean, it's going to take a few weeks before they fall. But during those weeks, the other thing that happens is we start forming opinions about the strength of different conferences and about how good certain teams are. And maybe it was a complete wrong opinion from the jump based off of what we thought of the team before they even started playing games. So uh, Florida's that example to me, of uh, a team that probably came in a little bit too high. And until they run into that buzzsaw, they're not going to get knocked down in the rankings. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, I want to move really quickly into the segment I'm looking forward to, and I know you are too. So I call this Harbaugh or Harbust. Um, <laughs> after what we saw this past weekend, now I am not surprised by this because I've been kind of hard on Harbaugh since he's like arrived at Michigan because he just hasn't won the big games. He clearly hasn't beaten Ohio State, which is almost like a huge part of your job depending on whether or not you keep it after a few years. But 35-14 loss to Wisconsin on Saturday. And here's the quote I'm going to read to you. Harbaugh said, we were outplayed, we were outprepared, outcoached, the whole thing. Uh, Both offensively and defensively, it was thrown. You know, we knew it about their team, and they have the ability. So he's going in here and pretty much saying that, like, they were completely outplayed. Like to me, I have a massive problem with, first of all, that statement, just because 
Like, you know what you have to do as a head coach. You knew what you were getting yourself into. And they had a bye week to prepare for Wisconsin. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Like, I, I really don't. And the bye week thing is the, the killer for me. And I get Wisconsin had one too. But, like, I just don't know how you can look that bad after yeah. a bye week. Because it allows you to evaluate the first two games and see everything that went wrong there too. Because offensively in the first two games, they look like hot garbage. Yeah. And I, the quarterback situation blew my mind. And Friday, when I was on the big show uh, for Big Ten Network, I said to them, I, I would be interested to see what would happen if Shea Patterson came out the first few drives and did not look good. Would they put Dylan McCaffrey in? That's exactly what they did. That's and if happened, he gets yeah. hurt and then they go back to Shea Patterson, they've got some decisions to make there. I think there's no imagination. They can't get any push off the line of scrimmage. And it was a, a, he said it perfectly, a thorough dismantling. And the question was posed, was this more of a statement on behalf of Wisconsin or more of mm-hmm. an indictment on the state of Mich- or Michigan football? And to me, I said that if you're convinced like I was that Wisconsin was the second best team in the Big Ten before this game, it's more of an indictment on Michigan because they should not have gotten blown out like that. I and agree. Uh, it's it's mind-boggling. I know people are trying to make excuses now for why Wisconsin shouldn't be ranked as high as they are because Michigan's not very good. But um, if you look at the athletes and the names that are on the field for Michigan, there's not a chance that they should be this bad, period. No, and, and I here's the thing. I really like Wisconsin. I liked Wisconsin coming into the season. I thought that it was crazy that nobody was even talking about them. Rather, they were talking about Nebraska. Mm. So I'm not taking anything away from the Badgers, but I think the more, I guess, crazy situation is just because Michigan is so – underwhelming and here's a stat that blows my mind joshua the wolverines are now four and eleven against top 15 teams under harbaugh harbaugh after this loss including zero and eight in road and neutral site games i just think that's unexcusable when you're brought in to try to turn around a program and really the reason why he's gotten attention is because of his name but really what have they done since he's been there yeah, that is just wholly unacceptable. I think the other stat that sticks out to me too, 0-7 as an underdog. 0-7 yeah. as an underdog. And I, I get it. Like the games that you're not supposed to win, you're 0-7, like say it how you want. When I was playing for Urban Meyer, we were really good as underdogs. We I, yeah. I think we won more games as underdogs than we were ever supposed to. Mm-hmm. That blows my mind. And it was only a, a three and a half point margin like that's not I I don't get it and then you go out there and lose by three touchdowns which (laughs) I said if the game I I I said this before the game too I'm like if it's not a three-point game like it's supposed to be it gets to be a three touchdown game because I feel like Michigan has that in them this year which they absolutely do okay one one quick thing but here's I'm reading at the rest of the or just the forcing future right here for them for games and So they have Iowa, Michigan State, Penn State, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. Like, I'm looking at this, and I'm seeing, like, they could come out with one win. Yeah, I mean, Iowa, Iowa, they could keep tight in my mind. Notre Dame, I think, beats them. Penn State's a better team. I don't think Penn State's a very good team either, but Penn State's a better team right now. And then, like, I'm going to sound like a homer when I say it, but if Ohio State does not bust their behind up and down the field, that is a disappointment to me from Ohio State. Oh, yeah. I I mean, I just can't. I The way it looks right now, I don't see that happening. And then Michigan State's in there, too. And I know Michigan State, 
they've had some issues too, but they've played okay. So I don't even know if that's that's one that they can win. Yeah, <laughs> that in in my mind, if I'm Jim Harbaugh, Iowa and Michigan State are really susceptible to me. Michigan State more so. Yeah. Because they can't move the ball. I feel like yeah. if you hold them, it, it'd be a low-scoring affair because Michigan State's <laughs> defense is – I mean, they're right? going to kill Michigan's offense. But, yeah, nobody's moving the ball that game. But there's an opportunity if you feel like you can try to kick her out there and, and kick a couple field goals, you might be in it. But it's – I mean, talk about some bad football coming up for the Wolverines. Like, I, right. I just don't see a scenario uh, where they end up winning a lot of games this year. Okay, let's move on to the SEC – Let's talk a little bit more about that game uh, between Georgia and Notre Dame. That was kind of the biggie this weekend. So I came in to this, and I'll admit, I was like, Georgia is going to blow Notre Dame out of the water. I guess I'm a little bit of a Notre Dame hater because they've just never proven anything to me, but yet I feel like they're always really high up in the rankings. And then, you know, you see them in the college football playoff and they get blown out. So I guess that was like my thought going into it, that they weren't going to keep this close. I give them credit because they did keep it a close game. I mean, it was a slow first half. It, there wasn't much to talk about in the first half, but Georgia nearly doubled its yardage in total in the first half from 114 to 225 in the second half, I should say. And DeAndre Swift, who struggled to find a lot of running room in the first half, began to see obviously some larger lanes as the Georgia offensive line started winning more of those battles, which they should because that offensive line for Georgia is just massive. Yeah, and I think that's the strength of their team. So that begs the question, like, can you – win a national title with a run heavy offense like I think that's going to be the key to them is being able to wear teams yeah. down and then uh you know hit some plays late in the game etc uh wasn't able to tune into that game as intently as I wanted to covering some other games but I I think that uh I don't know I I just expected Georgia to be a little bit more explosive both offensively and defensively to me yeah and I think that their speed kind of showed a little bit stronger at the end of the game as Notre Dame got tired. But early on in that game, I'm like, man, this could really go either way. Uh, I know, me too. was heavily penalized. Like you take that game and move it to South Bend or put it at a neutral site. I think it becomes a little bit of a different game. Like there are so many variables and factors into it. Like it was one of the most interesting games so far this year to me. You know, that's a great point because I was going to bring up, and this is another reason why I'm a little bit more shocked that Georgia, and I guess just maybe didn't score even just a couple more touchdowns and make it a little bit more difficult because it was in Athens and you saw the environment. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was loud. It was hostile. They're becoming like, it's so funny because they do this blackout all the time and everything. It's, they're becoming like the, um, the badasses of the South kind of. You know, because the South is so like put together and everybody wears like their little dresses to the games and stuff. And then you've got Georgia who's like coming out now with their fans that look like Oakland fans. And it just cracks me up. Um, But, you know, I thought it would be a little bit more of a hostile environment for Notre Dame. So I guess I give them a little credit for that, too. Yeah, I give them I really do give them credit. Like as a player, I can tell you right now. The environment does swing the game. It swings the momentum. It swings your mentality. Um, you know, if, if you turn the ball over, which Notre Dame did, that turnover means a lot more on the road than it does at home or a neutral site game. So I, I think you credit Notre Dame for hanging there in there a little bit more 
and you knock Georgia in a sense that they should have been able to capitalize on more of the swings in the game on some of those mm-hmm. penalties, having Notre Dame behind the sticks and everything. But uh, like I said, I, and this is, I think this is a beautiful thing, but also like the stressful thing about college football, you're sitting in there and after one and two, basically three through like seven, eight right now, you could make a case for like a number of different configurations for who might be the next group of teams there. So yeah. that's why we enjoy watching the game. Absolutely. Well, here's the thing. Okay, so I don't use Harry's razors. I don't know if you, Joshua, do, but they are good. My husband uses them, and sometimes I sneak in his shaving cream. So I will say I have technically tried their products. But join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your special offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. Uh, Why try Harry's? Well, Harry's founders were two regular guys tired of getting ripped off and paying for overpriced razors. Harry's makes quality, durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. So if you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. This summer, refresh your wallet and your face with a Harry's trial set. It comes with a weighted uh, handle for easy grip, five-blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blade for a close shave, rich lathering shave gel that will leave yourself smelling great, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy on the go. Listeners can actually redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. So make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your offer and let them know I sent you to help support the show. Okay, Joshua, so we're going to move into uh, my conference, the Conference of Champions, who to me has really uh, gone (laughs) downhill in the past couple of years. Oh my gosh. Um, Pac-12 beating up on each other early on in the season already. I will say this, Pac-12 After Dark, if you have ever had a chance to stay up for it, is truly a treat because the games that happen after dark are crazy over there on the West Coast. Uh, Let's start with my Washington State Cougars. I don't know if you heard about this one, Joshua, but they uh, blew a 49-17 to lead Mm. against UCLA this weekend. The two teams combined for 62 points and in more than a quarter's worth of action and pretty much everything that could happen in college football happened in the second half in Pullman. So the final, yeah, the final 67-63. How how many touchdowns did your quarterback throw for? Nine. Nine. Nine, and he lost the game. game. Blows my mind. (laughs) This was was huge for Chip Kelly, too, because, like, I mean. I know. They're probably going to end up firing him, but, like, he had to win this game. There was – it's that one blew my mind, like truly mind boggling yeah. football right there. Like I'm I'm sitting there watching the game. I fall asleep, you know, wake up in the morning, roll over, <laughs> look at Twitter. And I'm like, man, what is wrong with my timeline right now? I go to see the trending topic and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's it was, uh, you know, it's funny because I've never I've never seen um, a full game really like in on the Pac-12 after dark things but like obviously with this game it's Washington State and I don't get to see them that often being here in the south and the time difference but um you know I did have to stay up to watch this one and I just couldn't I couldn't tell you what the nerves were like watching this come back because you're like there's no way right there's no way 
that UCLA, of all teams, that hasn't won a game this season, that has looked like absolute crap, is going to come back in Pullman. And it was like a great atmosphere. Gardner Minshew was back in his jorts and his jean jacket. I mean, <clears throat> everything was going our way. <laughs> so to see this, it was incredible. Um, but, it, you know, it goes to show, too, that I do. I did want to ask you this, though, the Pac-12 kind of beating up on each other. I mean, do you think of that as a true statement? I know the Pac-12 doesn't get a lot of love, but when you start seeing some of these teams now beating each other in their games like that can be a little bit closer, obviously this there was no defense played in this. But, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Because the SEC has been a little bit different in that because they've had such top-heavy teams and, and not great competition at the bottom. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, you know, we have this conversation. We talk about the SEC, and it's completely different. I mean, even the Big Ten, like, we can go back to that Wisconsin example, but, you know, now people don't want to give Wisconsin credit for a top 10 or, I guess, top 15, whatever win because they don't think Michigan's good anymore. And it'll probably be the same thing going on here where um, you're not going to give any type of credit to the, the Pac 12 teams that lost to lesser competition this week because we don't believe in that conference. You know, yeah. if it's, if it's, uh, you know, I feel like even if Georgia, for example, loses to Notre Dame in that game, it's that the Irish are way better than we thought and not Georgia's way worse than we thought. Yeah. So we sit here, for example, USC getting a win over Utah. And right. That was huge. It's huge. And now, and I get the situation because they were on a third string quarterback and he was yeah. tearing it up. Yeah. But to me, I always thought that USC this year at least, looked better than they have in the past. And I believe in them more than they have, than I have in the past. So to me, it's not necessarily that Utah probably was a little bit overrated, but it's not necessarily that they're a bad team. It's that I think that our perception of USC is wrong right now, and we need to give them a little bit more credit for what they're doing. And here's the other interesting point. So I don't know if you saw this, but Cal got the win over Ole Miss. Oh, God. On the road, right? So it's funny, though, because Cal is like – moves up all these spots in the rankings, I think, to 15 yeah, because they beat Ole Miss. Well, who, who said <laughs> Ole Miss is good? But that's what I'm telling you, though. These uh. AP voters, they're giving teams, like, because Cal beat Ole Miss. Okay, if Cal beat Washington State, let's say, if Washington State was ranked, they would have never moved Cal up that that much. Like, no. if they would have beat their own. You get what I'm saying? But they beat Ole Miss, who wasn't ranked, and they moved up to 15. Yeah, it, it's mind-boggling. And Ole Miss was playing that game on the road, right? No, I thought Ole Miss was at their place. That's that's what I'm saying. Oh it, yeah, it was yeah. a it was a home game for Cal. Oh, was it a home game for Cal? I'm, I, I I don't know. Just I'm, second. I'm, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna check really quick because I don't think it was to tell yeah, you the honest I mean, truth. Regardless of where the game was played, like you can't tell me you think Ole Miss is good. No, like, it was uh, California went to Ole Miss. Ugh. And it's, I mean, that's where we are though. Like literally we're going to sit here and we're going to, we're going to talk about how good of a team they are. And, you know, they got a big win and I'm no, it's like, it's really not that big of a win. Anybody yeah. should be beating them right now. Yeah. That's that. I saw that. That was nuts. And I was like, it just goes to show you the, the credit they give to beating SEC teams, even if they're not great you know, at this point, because that's just what we're dealing with. Okay, so I want to get to some good stuff from the gridiron really quick. And I want to start with uh, (laughs) a team that we previously just mentioned and talked about earlier. Tennessee just can't seem to get a break um, in any part of life. So the 
quarterback JT Shrout, uh, not the starter, that would be Jarrett Garantano, who actually got pulled at halftime, but we won't get into that, t- that stuff right now. But anyway, he uh, does not apparently know how to use a rotary phone. Like he has no, like had no clue. So the phone rang, you're supposed to pick it up. You know, you're talking to your coach, whatever he picks it up. He doesn't like pick up like the handle to like take the phone receiver off. He like takes the whole phone and puts it to like his ear. Seriously. He had no, have you seen this? This is an absolutely no. insane. You have to look it up. It is oh probably gosh. one of the funniest things. And it's like for real, he didn't know how to use it. I was covering the LSU Vandy game and I, it was like trending all over. And so I went and like actually looked at it and I thought it was a joke. Oh no, he, he did not know how to use the phone. Like, you know how really? to use the rotary phone, don't you? I mean, you're younger, I mean, way was, younger than I am. I was but... about to say, I was, I was born in the nineties. So we still had all those. Oh, okay. I'm seeing the picture right now. Are you he seeing that? Literally picked up like the base <laughs> of the phone, left the receiver on the hook. Yes. And yes. Okay, so here's here's the other thing though. This is the real question about it. Has this man never watched an NFL game before? Has he never That's watched a, a college point. football game before? Because the quarterbacks are always on the phone anyway. Like, does yes. he not watch football? That's a great point. That's you know what? You should tweet at it. You should tweet at him. Oh. Be like, yo, bro. You got to be watching NFL at least if you're if you're considering trying to be a player that's going to go to the next level. I mean something. Yeah. His teammates that's, are terrible teammates too for not helping him out. Yeah, like you just left him hanging. What the heck? I thought that was so funny. That was like if Tennessee could even get worse in terms of what's going on there, their poor quarter backup quarterback couldn't figure it out. Uh, here's the other thing: Did you? I'm sure you guys talked about this since you're on the yes, Big Ten did. Network. Did you see this? The Rutgers celebration. So the center punched the quarterback in the face. Have you ever done? Have you ever seen anything like that? No, but uh, my girlfriend always like jokes with me about how aggressive I am with my football friends and like how aggressive football celebrations are. And she's like, you guys really? are crazy. And then I showed her that and she was like, there's something wrong with him. And then I told her about how many interceptions Sitkowski throws. And I'm like, he's probably just giving him a little payback for all those interceptions. So that, that is great. I yeah. bet I was going to say, I bet you guys had so much fun with that because this was trending this was trending everywhere too. And I mean, it's still trending here early in the week. It, it was just, everybody got a kick out of it, but yeah, I'm interested. I was like, does this ever happen? Cause this is the first time I've seen it be so like aggressive and, but it was like nonchalant aggressive, like just yeah. punch him in the face and, and go back to their business. I mean, you see it all the time though. Guys are slapping each other on the helmets and slapping each other on the behind and, you know, like pushing <laughs> each other around. <laughs> Celebrations are super aggressive. Like, have you seen the, the chest bump? It's like oh, a five-yard yeah. run and then jump as high as you can and, like, meet at the apex and then hopefully land on your feet. Like, I <laughs> fell one time doing a chest bump, no lie. Did you really? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I love it, though. It's, it's a true competitive spirit, and I do not fault you for that. I broke my wrist before on true competitive spirit, punching my guy friend when he dared me to after we lost to Stanford. Washington oh, wow. State lost to Stanford. Yeah, so I get it, man. I get it. Good it's that you, true though. competitive feeling. I wanted to, before we wrap things up, ask you what was your favorite part of this week? Um, seeing, this past weekend, like, I should say. Like legitimately seeing Michigan get embarrassed yeah. on a national stage was uh, something I took joy in. And I can't oh, say yeah. that at my job because, you know, I have to 
be fair and everything. You have to be professional. But on this show, I absolutely will say that. And, th- and then based off of that, I'm curious to see what kind of solutions they have and how they respond. Absolutely. I love it. Um, before we let you go, I just want to have all the people out there that are listening that don't know Joshua, don't follow his work. Uh, he is on the Big Ten Network as an analyst. Where can they go to find you and follow your stuff on social media? Yep. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, at RIP underscore JEP. You'll get a nice little mix of sports. You'll get me talking about why we should uh, let our college players get name, image, and likeness and a bunch of other topics on there too. So go ahead and give your boy a follow. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And for our podcast, Press uh, Press Pass Pod, say that 50 million times, you can follow us on social media. Instagram, it is at Press Pass Pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well. It is at Kayla Anderson TV. We really enjoy you coming on uh, as the guest host here today, Joshua. We love your insight. It's so fun getting a player's perspective too. So I hope you had fun and uh, we wish all of you guys out there a happy football weekend. We hope your teams win.